You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saraceni. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And uh, Mike, the Islanders had four games this week. They won two. They lost two. They're 19-7-2. They have 40 points after 27 games. And yet, I'm still a little mad at how things <laughs> unfolded on Saturday. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I don't know. It kind of bothers me that they're you know not quite winning at the same clip that they were. I feel like uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's both, you know, mm. you know, it's right and wrong. And uh, I I kind of felt that way. And then I was watching uh, yesterday, last night's game, which was a Stars game on MSG Go because I was out to dinner with uh, with my fiance for her birthday, and I couldn't like, you know, I was doing my best not to watch the game during that. But uh, on the way home, I was watching on MSG Go, and I made it a point to keep it out of full screen mode so I can keep seeing the Islanders' record while I was watching. <laughs> um, so I would, you know, see that I'd get frustrated and then I would look at the, the record. I'd be like, oh, yeah, we're uh, we're still 19 at that point. It's a 19, six and three or whatever it was. And it's still um, it's still weird to see those numbers uh, under the Islanders logo. So uh, that feeling that kind of wonderment uh, kind of settled me down a little bit. But at the same time, it's uh, it is frustrating that they're not, uh, you know, just dominating the way they are. And, you know, we talked about it at nauseum last Last episode, it's just, you know, the, the East is so competitive that you feel just a, a very, you're just scared at all times because you just don't want to fall back to the pack. Like they did such a good job of, of banking points. And now, you know, they, they just can't, they can't, they, like as Trat said a couple of weeks ago, like it just can never be a trend. Uh, so hopefully they, they just kind of pick themselves right back up again uh, this week. 
Yeah, uh, you know, I, this was as of last night. I looked uh, after the Stars game was over, and so the Caps are way out in front with forty nine points. Although they do have, I think, still three games in hand on. Uh, no, the Islanders have three games in hand on them. <laughs> uh, the Islanders have played less games than everybody, so it's good to to keep that in mind. But uh, so they have forty nine. Then you have the Islanders with forty. Uh, I believe the Flyers with thirty nine. The Penguins with 38 and the Hurricanes with 37. <laughs> Some of their, there might be, I think the Penguins and Hurricanes might be flip flop, but it just goes to show you they had a 17 game point streak. They went like an entire month without losing a game in regulation. And yet somehow there still isn't a lot, a whole lot of separation between them and the teams that, that are in the pack. And, you know, I, I did think it was a bit of a karmic retribution for us talking about uh, playoff seating last week, but uh, it, you know, it is a little frustrating when that happens. And it's like, you know, they've had a very good season. It's funny. Cause I was just reading um, Sean Shapiro is the guy who covers the stars for the athletic and he's very good. And you know, he does this sort of like 20 observations after every game. And you know, he, the second or third one was all about him talking about how it was such a good win for the stars. Cause they beat like a quality top tier opponent. And like I had some more Jim, Jim Montgomery quotes saying they're one of the top defensive teams in the league. And somebody had Andrew Cogliano, I think was talking about. So like, People have seen this team as a good team, but then sometimes you watch them and, you know, especially lately. And I want to point out, too, that like during the sort of meat of that 17 game point streak their their metrics were great. Kerry was kind of, you know, tracking all this and uh, he, you know, they were they were doing what they did. The high danger chances, limited high danger chances against and everything was great. But lately it hasn't been great. And, you know, they've won games. Obviously, I'm going to talk about them in a second. They they beat. The Red Wings, they beat the Vegas Golden Knights. Actually, that was a really good game. But, you know, the way they lost to Montreal and, you know, the way they kind of played the first period and change against the Stars really are really dis- disappointing, you know. And, you I, you know, it's been 30 games now and they can still get it back. But this team does need a lot of help as much as as great as their record is and as good as they are. They are not perfect and they definitely need a lot of help. Uh particularly, you know, in lineup construction, in the sense of lineup construction. Yeah, the uh, the metrics definitely have started to uh, take a little bit of a nosedive. And that happened last year, too. They they were able to, I think it was more in like February or, well, it was in the beginning of the year. And then kind of like in February, March, they started to show some 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 signs that had people worried. And uh, they were able to correct it. Uh, I'm confident that they'll be able to do the same. But, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like at some point in hockey – yeah, sure. Luck and system, uh, like how you play system and structure, like goaltending, all those things matter a lot. But talent ends up winning more often, more often than not, over over the course of a eighty-two games plus however long playoff uh, season that you play. So it's at some point or another, like the Islanders are going to need to figure out like the right roster construction and uh, stuff. And we we talked about it last last week too. But it's just it is, and we trust uh, Trotz. You know, everybody does trust Barry Trotz with with their lives at this point. It's just so head scratching to see, uh, you know, like kind of the the, the experiments uh, the Islanders are doing with with whether it's Ross Johnson on the top line or Leo Komarov playing with like Jordan Everly and Derek Broussard moving back to center. Like there there were things that were kind of working, and um, if, you know, the old eight, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The Islanders looked it's it, it's kind of like they're trying to fix something that wasn't broke at all, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with obviously the Komarov coming back from injury. I'm a little nervous about what happens when Tom Kunako comes back. Uh, it's just like there's going to be there's going to be some some uh, guys that they're just going to try to like squeeze in. It looks like into spots that they're not suited for, and at one point or another, it's it's gonna you know it could bite them pretty bad. And I think like the the two the game against Montreal and then the the first period against Dallas seem to be 
two of two of their I don't know worst five games or five you know stretches whatever you want to call it of the season. But then that Knights game, like they were awesome, and that's a really good team. That's a team that that drives play and controls possession really well. They they're they are one of the best teams in terms of expected goals. That was one of the most, if not the most, entertaining game of the year from a purely like entertainment standpoint. That let, that Knights game was a lot of fun. It to was, watch yeah. That's why I I said there was like the once segment where it was you know five to seven minutes of just back and forth and back and forth and it was i was like this has got to be barry trotz's nightmare like just i mean at, 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 after the game he was like you know that's if, if you play like that every night like the building should be full and i was like barry come on you you know you hated that like you'd much rather be playing a, a nice pr- pr- pragmatic game in front of eight people than a back and forth affair in front of a sold out crowd right um yeah i know exactly it was back and, i mean butch could barely catch his breath uh with the uh the back and forth but uh yeah no that game was definitely the outlier for this week it was you know uh, both teams had their chances and you know i mean it was probably more chances than the islanders would like to have given up but that being said it was entertaining and, and the knights are pretty good and malcolm suban was very good in that game too it should be noted but so was uh uh Simeon Varlamov but let, let's just do a real quick recap uh of the games in question uh so uh the first was a 4-1 win over the Detroit Red Wings and actually like you said uh you know talent will win uh most more often than not and as our friend Carrie Haber put it on Twitter uh the Islanders just have better players on the Red Wings and sometimes that's all you need and you know was it a perfect game no they led 2-0 after the first they had an absolutely terrible second period. My God, they had a million penalties. It was awful. But Jordan Everly scored, uh, broke, you know, for real this time. And he ended up having a second in the third period. They were better in the third for sure. But uh, Varlamov essentially stole that game with a great second period. They were terrible. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier, by the way, scored one of my favorite things of all time, which is the out of the penalty box breakaway. I love it. I saw it. I was watching it on, on the computer. And uh, my wife and daughter were sitting next to me. And I just started laughing. And I'm like, that's my favorite thing of all time is when the guy comes out of the penalty box and scores i used to do it all the time on like you know nhl uh hockey on sega genesis or something so i love it um the next game the next night now again the islanders have been really good on back-to-backs the next night uh you know you think well you know it's a back-to-back the the canadians had lost whatever it was eight games in a row uh they waltz into montreal of course there's a huge ceremony because you can't play the habs without some huge ceremony going on and uh that game was not close uh the, the canadians outplayed them from top to bottom, the Islanders' power play was terrible. It was three nothing Habs by the early third of the period, third, uh, early part of the third period. The Islanders just didn't have it. They just didn't look right. They had nine shots, I think, late in the second period. They were just absolutely terrible. Uh, they made it three two late, and they could have, I guess, tied it. But you know, I don't think Trotz would have been happy with a point there, and they just didn't deserve it, to be quite honest. And uh, we're going to hear a lot more about that game in a little bit because. Mike uh, was an eyewitness uh, to that debacle, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> so we'll hear about that later. Um, but yeah, then two nights later at the Coliseum, Vegas comes in and it was the Islanders won 3-2 in overtime, but that was a pretty good game. I mean, it was very, very even back and forth. Cal Clutterbuck had a great shot. Alex Tuck had a great shot to tie the game. Uh, Nelson scored on a quick, nice pass from Beauvillier. Jonathan Marshall scored on a on a sort of broken play. Uh, rebound that came right to him another quick shot so you know the game was tied and uh they got a pe- power play in overtime uh which is you don't see that often and ryan pullock just waltzed in and shot it past malcolm suban and got this really awkward hug he was kind of falling down and anders lee and four other people like grabbed him it was weird but it was cool and it was great it was a very exciting game to watch uh and then you thought okay remember this is you know a game that kind of sparks them turns around they go to dallas 
there start out the first five minutes or so were great. Um, but the rest of the period was all stars. The beginning of the second period was all stars. And by the time, you know, you turn around, the game wasn't even half over. It was three nothing. Um, but that's when the Islanders turned it on. And from that point on, they played really well. And Butch and Brendan kept saying, oh, from the three, you know, as soon as stars made a three, nothing, the Islanders were been playing great. Yeah. Okay. But what about the part where they were down three, nothing and Barzell eventually, he took two penalties. They scored on both Dallas scored on both of them. That had to suck. Uh, he did get one back, uh, with about four and a half left, uh, to make things interesting, but it just wasn't enough. And it's really, really a shame. So, um, I don't know. It's uh, it was not uh, really uh, a great, um, you know, it was it was a good week, but not a great week. And you hope for more. Um, but, you know, they are where they are. And really still, they're still, you know, the second in the metro, I think third in the east. And, you know, they have time to turn it around. But uh, there was some some cool signs, but some less than encouraging signs as well. Yeah, the there is there are some things that like even with the Red Wings game, like I was I was um it's like it's it's frustrating when you play a team like that and you're still you don't like dictate the dictate play like the Islanders should have against that that team but um the the end result is also kind of reassuring to be like you know what and teams have done this to the Islanders forever like they didn't give their best effort but they still came away with two points like it was nice to see that kind of game too and I also want to say like that uh there was a little bit you know two week stretch I guess so where uh Simeon uh Varlamov was kind of I don't want to say bad but you know the he wasn't sh- particularly sharp uh, starting basically with, I think with the, the Penguins, those two games against the Penguins and then probably his like next three or four sh- starts, but he was, he's been really good um, for the past couple of weeks. And uh, with, with the way he played has, has kind of been playing and Grice has been, you know, his usual solid stuff. Like the Islanders, you know, you'd, you'd expect even the games like they played against Montreal, like they, that game, Thomas Grice kept them in that game for as long as he could. Uh, there were a couple, couple goals like the, I think it was Jeff Petrie ended up scoring it where you just didn't see it. And, uh, th- but aside from, from you see like three goals, you're like, Oh, he must not have been good. Like even the game against the stars last night, it looks like, you know, Grace played, re- you know, yeah. really well. So these guys are, they're doing their job. It's, it's, it's kind of the rest of the team. That's not in, they, uh, they, they played down. I think they played down to their opposition a little bit against Detroit. Uh, I think the, the scheduling spot against Montreal was tough just cause like that team, they, the, I watched a lot of that Canadians Bruins game, which was, the Canadians like seventh loss or eighth loss in a row. The Canadians played really well that game. They just didn't really get any breaks. And I was, I was really, as soon as I was watching that game, I was like, oh, the Islanders are definitely screwed on on Tuesday because it's the the, the, the Canadians are kind of just doing the right thing. They looked like a team about to you know burst out of a out of a slump, and they did. And they they just were the better team that entire night. Um, and and like I was saying about Grice, like that he kept them in there. It, so it was almost encouraging to see like, all right, this team they. A three we've seen three oh three goal leads evaporate a lot in this uh, this season especially in the third period like their teams are scoring like a lot of goals but i don't know what it is it's just like a three goal lead is is really not that you know it, it's not that insurmountable it's not that crazy anymore when teams come back and once you get that first one the doubt starts creeping in because i'm telling you when when barzell scored that goal i was totally expecting two more <laughs> to force overtime because we've seen it happen. But yeah, you're right. Like that three goal lead really isn't what it seems, you know, it should be, but it really kind of is. And, and Grice keeping them kind of within that range was, was the, I guess the only silver lining to take out of that game. Uh, I mean, I think Anthony Beauvillier was good again. And uh, there, there were guys that, that played well, but they're also, you know, half the team kind of just didn't look like uh, they, they, they ever left Detroit or whatever. And then, uh, that 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 night's game was just there were just so many like 
Brock Nelson, I thought was just talismanic. Like he, there were some plays he was making. I was like, that, 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 that's not the type of play that anyone in the NHL thinks that Brock Nelson is, can make, you know, he was, he was dragging a couple defensemen. He's been making these like toe drag, these like back, no look passes. This, he's got incredible hands and I just don't think that reputation has really traveled outside of uh, Long Island much like this. I think he catches defense defenseman off guard like with it too. He's, he makes very good passes in tight spots and uh, him and uh, Beauvillier in that game were, were awesome. And then, yeah, the stars game honestly didn't, didn't get to see it. Like I was just watching it such like a choppy manner that I just, you could just feel, I was just like, there's no way this team's going to win this game. Um, and it's- yeah, that was a lot of um, sort of bad luck involved in there. I, I mean, I, I want to say bad luck, but it, it just had, didn't have the stars kind of boxed out in the, in the crease Their Their high danger chance defense wasn't quite where it should be. Uh, Andrew Cogliano, um, uh, you know, uh, he deflected it off his skate. He kind of turned his skate a little bit and the puck went in off of him. Another one bounced off of Johnny Boychuk. And then the other one was a power play goal. That was a power play goal. And then the other one was a power play goal. And Radulov just sort of threw it towards the net and a guy had his stick on the ice and it, and it bounced in perfectly. I mean, it wasn't much that uh, Grice could do on any of them because they were just bounces. But, you know, the, the Islanders just didn't really quite have... I don't know they had they had zone time, but they just couldn't really mount a whole lot of like I don't know. Like you said, it didn't feel like they were going to come back until you know Barzell made that scored that goal and then made you kind of think about it. But yeah, it it wasn't it it wasn't the worst game they've played. That was definitely the Montreal game, <laughs> but uh, but it was it wasn't you know the kind of the return to form that you had kind of hoped. And you know, again, just saying it now for like the third time here just makes me feel bad because I mean they've had they've done so good. But you just want to see them get back to that sort of dominating style and really, you know, kind of taking it to teams and and not letting them up off the mat and, you know, jumping on them early, getting on them early. Uh, although, you know, the Islanders do have a, a propensity for uh, getting down early and then coming back. But, you know, they taking the game over is what they what you were looking for. And it, nope, I mean, they did in the Stars game, but Ben Bishop is good and it just kept them, you know, from from you know, mounting any kind of offense with the Knights game. They took over for a little while. Then the Knights would take over. They took over for a little while. Then the Knights would take over for a while. They took over the first period of Detroit and then just kind of stopped playing for the second period. And at no point were they ever in control of the, uh, <laughs> the game against the, the Habs. Um, but you were there. So like, how, how was that experience? Like, I mean, from everything from, you know, when you got there, the food, the whole, the whole thing, how were your fans treating you? And especially given that they yeah. lost, <laughs> it's, was- uh, it was great. I mean, what it's a, uh- Everyone was saying it's such a great city and it's a really fun place to watch a game. And uh, they're right. Like, you know, I joined that chorus saying like, oh, you got to get there, et cetera. But um, we la- when I, I landed at like two o'clock and had some work to do uh, with a couple of my colleagues who were there, one of whom is from there and one of whom is a Islander fan from Comac. So like we did some work and then just went to some like little dive hot dog bar pretty close to um, the arena. And one of the things that's cool is, is that the arena is just like in downtown, but it's not like in where how is Madison Square Gardens, you know, above a train station. So there's not only are there, you know, 20,000 people going to a game or a concert, but there's also thousands of people trying to go home on, on a train. So uh, it wasn't you don't feel like that, uh, I guess, like mass group of people. But the the first thing that is funny is the the mutual like people in Montreal, I feel like just don't they they don't disrespect the islanders the way they they are in because like these most of these fans have been around for generations so they know or, or they've you know they're the son or daughter of someone who's been around the team for generations and uh so they know about the, the islanders dynasty and, and what the islanders mean to like hockey history and stuff uh so 
I was walking online to get in, like go through security. And there was a guy behind me. Uh, and he was just like, you know, go Islanders. And he was in a Montreal Alouettes, like pullover and a hat. And, and I was like, <laughs> oh, you're an Islander. Wow. Are you from like Long Island or something? He's like, no, I, w- I was born and raised here. Um, but I just grew up an Islander fan because they were so good when I was young. And I just, you know, anytime they're here, I come see him because and he's, he had never been down uh, to the Coliseum and he said he was going to get down. Um, but he's like there and he's like, I'm not the only one. Like, there's a lot of us that just like, you know, growing up around the Yankees, I guess, like some you just, sometimes you just don't want to root for the team that you're, you know, you're you're born into, I guess. And, you know, there are people that are just, you know, Buffalo Bills fans or Miami Dolphins fans and they live in, in New York. And uh, then we got when we got in, there was a guy in like full Islander uh, gear and hat and everything. And, I, you know, I went to go talk to him and he didn't speak English. He spoke French. And, and I was like, and so, so he's like, he's like, wow. no, like totally tell me basically no English and, and he didn't speak English and French. And I was like, bossy. And he said, yep. <laughs> and so he's <laughs> like, it's, it's basically just, you know, these people who grew up with, with, uh, you know, Mike, obviously bossy from that area and the Islanders were just so good that they were probably rooting for the guy from, you know, the, their town that was lighting it up. Um, and then, yeah, you touched on it. That's, I, I had no idea that, and I'm very happy that there was some pageantry there and, uh, my, so it was, we had four seats, two, uh, there were two seats together, uh, two pairs of two seats together, about two sections apart. They were good seats. And uh, so one of my buddies, his, his brother-in-law was telling me, he's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's captain's night. We're honoring all our former captains that are still around and not still playing in the league or whatever. And uh, the first, obviously the first thing I thought about was, oh man, I cannot wait to see Kirk Muller. Like, I just can't wait to see. <laughs> and it just so happened that the, the captains walked down the aisle, like in the section over from us. So, you know, they, you know, all these guys are coming out and Keith Carbono and Mike Keen and Chris Chelios and, and then, you know, people are clapping. And then I turned to him, I was like, listen, when Muller comes, I'm going to have to boo and maybe throw something at him, you know, the, 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 the Long Island welcome or whatever. And he right. left. And, and when I, so when I did boo, a lot of people were turning around and they were laughing because they knew why, like this wasn't, you know, this, <laughs> they weren't like mad. They like knew exactly what, what the history was there. And, um, and then he, he actually was like, Saku Koivu of all of them is going to get the the biggest ovation and he did and it was it was it was cool to see um and like the little video they did beforehand with the the song that was all in French was was pretty cool but then um the night turned because the other two seats so I go we like there were four of us so we kind of just switched we rotated and so I went and sat the second period with the Islander fan Matt and he was like these two guys sitting next to us are like really big Thomas Grice fans it seems like but they also have very thick Canadian accents and not French Canadian accents. So I can't really figure them out. So we, so when I came, when I came over to sit with them, they were like, Oh, look, another Islander fan. And we're like, Oh yeah, you, you guys Islander fans are like, Oh, well, one of them was like, no, I grew up, I'm, I'm best friends with uh, Matt Barzell. So we we're like, wait, what? Wow. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he goes to <laughs> McGill university, he plays lacrosse at McGill. So he's like, anytime the Islanders come to Montreal, I come and, uh, you know, watch him and hang out. And, of course, we're just like, oh, is he happy here? What did he think of this? And he's, mm. you know, we we you know asked him a hundred questions, and and he was like, he's he he loves it. He loves Long Island. He loves the Islanders. He loves trots. He's like so. He's very good friends with. He like loves Beauvillier, and he loves. He's like he gets he gets along so well with Jordan Eberle. Like that's that's his guy. And awesome. So then we had, yeah <laughs> awesome. yeah it's just like, uh, yep we're just like all these these kind of like went down, and then uh, it was funny. We he 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 was like have you guys noticed that he's not getting any calls this year at all? Like, is something going on? And we're like, yeah. He's like, I watch him. And like, obviously, like I'm watching him more than the team. And I just see him get hit in the face with sticks and, and hooked and all this stuff. I was like, yeah, that's a running 
kind of like a running narrative on Long Island is that like he's just not getting. And like as soon as we talked about that, Jesperi Kokinemi like threw him down, like bear hugged him down to the ground, and he didn't get called. But uh, so there was that. We talked about uh, like the draft year and how he fell, and 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 the thing that like when he got hurt in the shower and like how his reputation became like oh does he take hockey seriously by the Canadian media and um then we asked him like you know we got to ask you about when Tavares left and he's mm. like oh he was just so gutted man he was just like just so so gutted uh so it, wow, I mean it, really? that yes yeah, sitting next to those two guys for the uh for the second and third period kind of added like a new wrinkle to the game uh and then when he scored it was it was pretty cool to see but they I mean he you always take it with a grain of salt, but his uh, his friends seem to. They also were talking about how they he, he Barzell talks about the Coliseum, like it's like the best place on the planet, and they they need to get to a game because they hadn't been down. And he's like he's like you guys got to come before we move again, and um so so they want to come down for that, and it's just like it it was it was like ear candy for for the two of us, and like just to hear all that, and it didn't really matter that the Islanders were uh, <laughs> had ten shots through half was, the game we were losing at the time, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because we're like, oh, it's like we we came in and we got the most important thing we we could, which is to to hear like how happy uh happy Mark Barzell That's is amazing. here on Long That's Island. That's an amazing amazing story. Like of all the people yeah, you had to sit next to, yeah, this guy, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was uh, it was, and they were talking about. So he's he was he's from uh, right. like Coquitlam, Coquitlam, I think, right? British Columbia. Yes, yeah, and uh, he was he was talking about uh, he wanted to get drafted by the New York Riptide. The, the cross right. team and that's like he's like just so he gets a, so he can play in this in the coliseum like barzell and uh his buddy his buddy who plays mcgill lacrosse too is from toronto but he's like he's like i promise you i hate the leafs like you don't have to worry like i'm a i'm a red wings fan or he's a penguins fan or a red wings fan or something and uh just like talking about and then we got all just talked about how mm. annoying the leafs are and he's like it, it's, it's talking about how annoying they are in canada especially like he's like he's like i live in western western canada and like i can't <laughs> escape them so uh, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, just wow. the, the uh, kind of stroke of luck there was great. And the uh, their their arena setup with uh, you're, you're everyone's just watching the game. It's it honestly this might sound biased, but it sound if it, it feels like the Coliseum a lot because you're close, you're on top of the ice, people are close to you, it's loud, and nobody you know there's really nothing else to do besides watch the game. And these people just really, really, really are so invested in the Canadians. And you could feel it like it's it sounds cliche, but like as soon as as soon as like that, that ceremony started and all this other stuff, like you really do feel like they that is the most important thing in their lives is that that team in the in red and blue and white. No, you know, I no, I, it's funny. I, you don't really think of that. But now having watched games on TV, like it does make sense. And like that's a kind of a, not that I I'm a huge baseball fan anymore, but that's one of the things that really kind of bugs me when I do go to either Mets games or Yankees games is the amount of people that are just sort of like walking around during the game. And it's like, I'm here to watch the game. I don't need people. I mean, what do you, you just sat down? Why are you getting up again? You know, do you really need to get, it's just, it's, it's pretty incessant, but yeah, I could see that not being a problem in Montreal, you know, people really being invested yeah. in the game. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's, and, and you, it's it, in that regard, it really reminded me of the Coliseum mm-hmm. because like, if you go to the Coliseum, uh, people from out of town have told me this too. They're like, where is the, you know, where are the bars and where are like the suites and I was like, oh, it, in, in 2000 and, you know, those bars are in like 2020, you know, when we get a new or 21, that's when they're coming, you know, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, there's just nowhere if, if there's nothing else to do besides really watch, uh, watch the team. And uh, it's, it's great. And I think that that's part of the, and this might be, you know, 
grasping at straws, but I think the the fan bases are are similar in that way. Is like, look, if you're an Islander fan, you're probably heavily invested in the Islanders because there's eight other teams. It's very easy to in in this area. It's very easy to go find another team to root for and another sport going on at the same time. And just but if if you chose to put yourself through this, like it's gonna it's you're you're hoping the payoff. You're invested in the payoff, and they're the same way. Like they are truly invested in this team and uh they it's it, you feel it and i think that's maybe why the the fan bases are kind of like they're they feel like they are their um what do i want to say like their their values are our values and their values are kind of aligned and uh it was it was nice i mean everyone was just so so happy and that because you're just talking hockey with all these people like that's all i want to do is talk about the canadians and talk about the islanders and talk about barry trotz <laughs> and talk about lou lamarillo yeah. And, They're like super know, crazy about it. And there is that connection to that tight community. And in Montreal, yep. obviously, it's the French Canadian community on Long Island. Obviously, it's Long Island. Like everybody's kind of connected. Not, not that there aren't Islanders fans from God knows where, but, you know, there is that sort of connection to this one specific place, right. you know, like Long Island being that specific place as opposed to like just rooting for the Red Wings because, oh, yeah, like the Red Wings, you know, they had Brendan Shanahan or whatever, you know, Steve Eisenman or whatever. Like you're connected to this place, whereas if you're a Canadians fan, chances are you're connected to that place. Exactly. Yeah, they they, it, they the team represents a lot more than just a city right. city. Yeah. So um, it was it was great. I mean, I can't I can't uh, really complain about anything about it, the way I was treated by anyone. The the That's awesome. Yeah. Nobody, you know, maybe they were cursing <laughs> at me in a different language, but like they, they didn't seem like they were even when, when the Islanders scored. And uh, I mean, they won. So probably yeah. not, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> and it's not like you were like a jerk or anything. Right. So it's the other thing, too, you know. Um, but, and it was nice to, to get to, to boo Kirk Muller and it, it was, and it, but it was tough that, you know, him and Turgeon basically follow one after the other. So I was, yeah, cause then when Turgeon came out, like, obviously I was right, clapping, yeah. clapping like crazy and people were, you know, people were like laughing at that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, besides the, everybody loves Pierre. Yeah, everybody does. And bes- the, the, it's just crazy to think that. So my, my buddy is like probably, you know, seven or eight years older than me, maybe I think he's born in 85 so the, the canadians haven't really won in, in his lifetime like he's he was nine i think when the canadians won their last cup 93 um that's that was a long time ago like we i still in my head i still think of like all canadians fans like oh you guys have seen this team win so much but there are a lot of canadian fans who never seen who have never seen them win like yeah those 27 stanley cups uh of those 27 stanley cups uh 25 of them happened before 19 19- 80 right. <laughs> you know so it's pretty old like yeah maybe you saw some of the late 70s ones but chances are if you didn't you're pretty old and you saw shit in the 60s and 50s and 40s and whatever so it's like that's like another thing about the two fan bases is there are these two generations and there is a distinct divide in between them right there's islander fans who are a little bit older and saw this team in its heyday when they were like the pole star of the league and everything and uh they they saw the, the just the magic of the dynasty and then after that like there's a generation of fans who are kind of our age and, and haven't seen have seen nothing but failure. And so that there's almost like this, that is also like another thing that these two fan bases have in common. And if, and I was, you know, kind of going over a list with my, my buddy, like if the Montreal Canadians played, you know, so-and-so in, in the Eastern conference final or and just going down the list, I'd be like, I'd root for the Canadians. Like hell, like, you know, I, I wouldn't, if they played a playoff series against the Rangers that they lost, I remember. And, if, obviously if they ever played like the Leafs or the Bruins or something like uh, the Flyers, like I'd be rooting for the Canadians. It's, it is a, uh, it's just it's like, it, it kind of feels like a weird alliance, despite the fact that mm. the, the actual way that the, the two 
um, the two organizations are perceived by kind of the greater hockey world. It couldn't be more different, but internally, like there's a kind of under understood respect, I guess, between the people that know. Um, and it's, and it's great. And you felt it. Um, and I can't wait to go back. The dynasty teams. No, I have a feeling if you saw a game in Edmonton, you'd probably be the same thing. Exactly. (laughs) You know, people would, would respect it. And they, you know, again, that team last, their last Stanley cup was 1990. And so, you know, and then it, the 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 slide down was really long and is still you know I mean they've been good this year but still go- ongoing and so I think there's that that there would be a mutual respect there for too. I don't know if they had the same respect out there for the Canadians but you know I think for for the Islanders they they definitely would and uh, it's funny you talk about um, you know long periods you you don't really you know the march of time you can kind of get lost in but uh, the New York Knicks fired another coach this year and uh, or this week and I should say and. Uh, you know, people started to realize that, wow, this team has been bad for two decades. That's really something, you know, and they, they made the playoffs like four times the last 20 years. And it's like, man, people, you know, if you ask them like, oh, what's the, you know, why, if you're in New York, why would you root for the Islanders? They're so bad. Well, you know, the Knicks are worse. <laughs> They've been worse, but nobody ever asked that question. Anyway, um, that's, that was awesome. That sounds like a great story. And uh, hopefully Matt Barzell's friend is uh, listening to this right now. And uh, that was pretty, that's pretty cool. Uh, no, but that, that's awesome. And uh, I mean, I can't, I'm, I'm so, I mean, it, that could, that's, that's, that trip could have gone like a hundred different ways for you, you know, having watched that game, but it's, what, were you wearing the fisherman Jersey at the time? I was wearing the, the fisherman, like uh, it's the Islanders classic logo on the fisherman template. That one that they right, were, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's that one, right. and, and uh, I mean, I was very, you know, I was I was decked out, and uh, like I said, no, no, no problems. And you, most of the Islander fans uh, there, like that, I kind of came across where I saw a ton of Anthony Beauvillier people, like, mm. no jerseys, oh, yeah. like with even with the seventy two on, and so there was that, and you know, I, I walked by one person that I definitely was a, a member of his clan, and you know, I just told him how much how much we love him uh, here because and. Uh, but besides that, like most of the people there that were Islander supporters were from there, which I thought was pretty cool. And mm. um, but yeah, I was in I was that in my cool. garb and uh, amongst this the sea of uh, blue Blanca Rouge. It was uh, <laughs> man, what a place! I, yeah, I can't wait. I, I immediately looked up. I was like, all right, they're back again at the end of March. Maybe I'll I'll sneak back <laughs> up there. That does sound awesome. Yeah, no, that's a cool place. I, I I don't know if I would I would go watch just any game there. You know, right. if I was just there, just whether or not Islanders or not. So that's pretty cool. Uh, all right. Well, on the other side of the break, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the Fisherman logo and some other things uh, going on, as well as uh, maybe some more uh, possible hope uh, for this roster uh, that Lou, Mar- Lou Lamorello might be able to pull off. All right. Stick with us. Thanks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
Our sponsor, as always, is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos, uh, New England Whalers, Long Island Ducks, uh, New York Golden Blades, Macon Whoopi, uh, all kinds of great stuff there. Uh, I got my Fort Worth Texans T-shirt this weekend. I wore it immediately. It is awesome. They were the uh, Islanders uh, Central Hockey League affiliate back in the late seven, mid to late 70s. And uh, I mean, you're not going to get a Fort Worth Texans T-shirt literally anywhere else on earth besides VintageIceHockey.com. Uh, you can use the code Lighthouse15 to save 15% on your order. They also... Uh, sell our Al Arbor tribute t-shirts uh, where you, would you, the only place you can get them is there. And if you buy a t-shirt or you use that code, our entire portion of that sale goes directly to the center for dementia research. So you get a cool shirt, you save some money, you, you know, do a good deed and, and donate some money to uh, a worthy cause. I mean, you can't go wrong with that stuff. Vintageicehockey.com. Check it out. Lighthouse 15, use the code, save some money, and uh, donate to the Center for Dementia Research. There you go. Uh, so as we talked about before, uh, you know, roster construction has been an issue. The Islanders still really don't have a third line. We went into this in depth last week, so I don't want to you know, beat the same dead horse over and over again. But uh, I was watching the, uh, <laughs> the, the Devils game the other night. Man, who were they playing? They were playing some other battles. Uh, the Blackhawks. They were playing the Blackhawks. It was terrible. These two, these teams are really, really bad. And it, you know, you think about it, if there was a, a 1995 Blackhawks uh, Devils game, it might be pretty good, but it was not. And um, a guy that occurred to me that would make, I think, a really cool addition would be Blake Coleman. Uh, he's a center for the for the Devils. He's got two years left. I believe he's making 1.8 million each. Uh, he kills penalties. He can score a little bit. He's from Plano, Texas, and uh, he would be a cool pickup. Is he available? Probably not. Are the Islanders going to get him? Definitely not. But <laughs> he's exactly the kind of guy that isn't, you know, expensive like Kyle Turris and isn't sort of over the hill like uh, some of the other guys that we talked about last week. But uh, I mean, it's 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 become a thing now where this team does need some help. And it's funny because it, I hadn't even thought about it until you mentioned it before. Like this is largely a product of guys getting healthy. Like they were winning that 17 game point streak happened where a lot of dudes were hurt. And now that some of those guys are healthy, they're coming back and the roster is kind of weird. And yeah, Ross Johnson was playing on the first line. And you know what? At some points, he looked okay there. But, I mean, you can't play Ross Johnson on the first line for the next 50-odd games. Something's got to give. And I, I really do think we're getting to a point where Lou Lamorello has to go out and do something <laughs> and, you know, make a move here. Uh, unfortunately, everybody in Bridgeport is hurt. Um, but uh, I think we're getting to that point. Or am I just kind of being paranoid? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. And um, But I, we thought that last year. Yeah, I mean, who, who knows with Lou? He's not going to say anything. He's not going to – no one's going to leak anything. So it's not – as soon as something happens, it, the first person to know will be basically all of us at the same time because that's the way he operates. And right, he, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just it, it's frustrating. And you, you, the one thing I'll say is uh, about the Johnson thing, which is obviously not a, a great game plan, but what it does is it shows uh, kind of like it's a trots trotsian way of showing, hey, like I don't really give a shit who you are. Like if I think you deserve to play shot to ride shotgun with Matt Barzell or, uh, you know, play on the top line. Like you're going to play there. Like that's, which is, which is a good message to send to, to the team. Obviously it's going to drive the fan base nuts, but when you're thinking about when, cause we think about things, obviously, you know, game by game and shift by shift rather than big picture. And trots has obviously got to do both. And so when, when you see a guy like Johnston on the first, on the first line with, uh, with Barzell, like that's, hopefully with the, the message that gets sent is you know whoever whoever uh deserves it is going to get it and 
but yes, let's, let's, if we're all being honest with ourselves, like I hope tomorrow morning I wake up to see the Islanders are acquiring a, uh, a scorer or, or, you know, a good third line center, uh, with, uh, with our, our man Lou, the 77 year old Lou Lamarillo. <laughs> uh and uh the the other reason i i wanted to bring this up uh you know because uh, i do feel as i'm not the first person who have thought this and other people joked about it on twitter that you know putting ross johnson on the top line yeah it serves notice that you know anybody can play with anybody and you know we're just trying to find some balance here but also it you know it does appear to be a bit of a cry for help like you know we're putting this guy on the t- this guy was a healthy scratch for most of the time and now he's on the top line with our guy um, you know, there is sort of an old school mentality. I know we know Butch loved it because he talked about it on on the broadcast. You know, the old he he threw out the uh, the Dave Semenko line out there, Clark Gillies as well, and you know he's he's talking about how Gillies played with Bossy and Trotty. All I can think about is if Ross Johnson scores three hundred and some odd goals in his career the way Clark Gillies did, then I will say that this is fine. <laughs> but until that happens, uh, you know, it is a little bit weird. Uh, so, but you know, even if Johnson played that, that to me was the least of the problems. It was more about the sort of like third line with, I don't even know who was on it. It was like Komarov and Bailey and Eberly, but also, um, you know, Dalcol had played there. Broussard. What's that? Oh yeah. Broussard was yeah, there. Broussard, Broussard was centering it for a little bit. Right, yeah. But he's, was he was weird. also at wing and it was like, is Leo the center? Is Bailey the center? Like it was, it was a, a, a line with three centers, but no centers. Like <laughs> three guys that can play center, but and so I'm just like this. The, and and you know, Trotz is a guy who likes to roll four lines. He's talked about it a lot, and he can't because he has no four lines. Um, and so it's you know there is there is a need there, and I do think Lou is going to have to step up and do something again. Unfortunately for him, you know, it's everybody who is in Bridgeport now is hurt. So I mean, if Bardreau went down to Bridgeport, and as soon as he landed, he's been hurt the entire time. He came back really briefly, and they got hurt again. Tanner Fritz, I don't, I think, has barely played this entire season. Uh, Koivula came up, you know, it wasn't really working out. Um, Wallstrom was up for a while, but he's he's really doing very well in Bridgeport right now, which is nice to see. But you know, his time wasn't quite now, um, and I just think that they're going to finally need to get some outside help again. Blake Coleman. I think would make a good pickup. Also, the devil season is, let's say, it, it's over. And so, you know, it's our job to pick at their bones uh, to make our team better. <laughs> um, Lou Lamorello, by the way, are the Leafs uh, uh, regretting letting pushing him out? That's the question that uh, Toronto Sun columnist Steve Simmons asked in a uh, column this weekend. And if you want to laugh uh, and uh, put a smile on your face, I highly recommend you seek it out and read it because uh, it's a lot of fun, right? Well, you just read it. Is that? Did I, yeah, it's just, it it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, this guy, like, it, it's just so funny to, to, to like, I, I don't want to put Larry Brooks in the same vein as him right. because I think Brooks is like a little bit more self-aware, I guess, Definitely. then, but he, it's, it's, they write with the same kind of purpose, which is to stoke the flames and to make people kind of outraged or, you know, people in their camp, you know, do the you know huzzah huzzah kind of cheering or whatever and uh he i it just it just blows my mind uh that this is that this guy still kind of not only does he have a job and or whatever that this kind of sports writing and stuff it still gets uh you know sought out like like that someone said to him like oh yeah no 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 that's a good idea you know to to all these kind of columns that he does and uh but it made me happy because it just all i can think about is all the leafs fans who are being who are pissed off and being like, well, I, I don't know if I want to comment because that's giving Steve Simmons what he wants. And, but I also can't just sit here quietly. And so it makes me, it makes me a little happy to see like, that's, that's great that, that they're the ones kind of getting needled in this, this article rather than him 
needling Islander fans about how uh, John Tavares was trying to loophole his way out of Long Island for the <laughs> second he got drafted. And everybody knew he wanted to play for the Leafs, yeah. like that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So, uh, it, I mean, so I take a little bit of solace in that. And uh, we, the, the thing is, too, like just you just see how revered Lou is still by uh, a certain kind of group of people. And he, I, I, people in, when I was in Montreal, too, like, you know, we really would love Lou Lamarillo. The problem is he doesn't speak French. Like, you can't have we can't have <laughs> we can't have it because he, he doesn't speak French. But uh, uh, he he people just they they're like, listen, you you're so lucky to have him because if you didn't have him, you don't have shots. And like it's just like the 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 whole kind of cascading effect of having a guy like that in charge is you're not going to realize it unless you're kind of from the outside. And we we get frustrated. I mean, we're frustrated kind of right now with the way the roster is constructed. But um, it's it is funny to me still that that's the way he's perceived by kind of older uh people in the in the uh the hockey media yeah i just i forget where I, what i was reading but somebody oh it was uh D- eric to had a cool thing in the uh the uh athletic about the sort of change in the islanders culture and he, he talked extensively with uh with eberly it, it was a cool piece like it was part of you know a much larger piece but it, it was cool to hear and it's cool to hear eberly's thoughts on on how things have changed but as i was reading it all i could think of was like i think the big change in the culture and even even lamorello has said that that word is overused i think the big change in the culture is just putting a guy in charge and then hiring a coach who basically just said look we have to win games like there's no there's no like you know, eh, it's okay. Like, you know, even in a game against like, you know, that they lost Barry Trotz will say, we didn't deserve to win. We didn't deserve to win this game. We didn't play our game. And all we can do is kind of, you know, and that's not something you would have heard earlier. You know, you, there's no jokes about like, there's no thing about, well, you know, we played okay and we didn't get the breaks. Meanwhile, they had, you know, 11 shots through two periods or something like that. So it, it, they know how to play. They, and they know they need to win games. And that's the end of the story. Now, fortunately for them, they have won games for the most part in the last two years. So had they not, well, what would that would have been? I don't know. We, we will never know. But I think that's what it is. It's just like, you know, you could call it whatever you want, accountability or, you know, culture change or whatever. I think it's just a matter of being guys being like, no, you got to win games. And that's the end of the story. And as long as they keep winning, um, you know, they don't really probably won't change too much again no matter how much crying we do online about it needing a third line center but uh i think that's the big thing um but yeah you, know, you can see that how you know it, it has changed things that that montreal french thing is still so so funny to me i don't know so now there's so you know what's going to happen is if if mark bergevin ever gets fired they're just going to have to hire right yeah the next french speaking guy i don't know who's probably that that's why they keep recycling coaches up there because <laughs> they there's so many yeah, yeah exactly it's 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 uh been like Michel Therrien and uh Claude Julien for uh he my buddy's like he's like yeah it's so obvious who the next coach is if they fired Julien it'd be Guy Boucher mm. um and then maybe if not him it could be you know uh Patrick Wawa right. or whatever Jacques Martin he's will like, come back you know Jacques but, Martin yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly uh, <laughs> right. so it, it's uh and then yeah and then the the general manager is is easily going to be uh what's his name down in uh yeah Julien Brisebois yeah Julien sure. Brisebois yeah I'm sure right. and, uh. He'll he'll like bring uh Vincent Danfoos with him, and Danfoos will be the <laughs> he'll be like the assistant GM that's in line to take over. But right. yeah, you can't yeah. you can uh you can't have a it's high amazing. ranking position there without it's being able to speak French. Meanwhile, yeah, that that dynasty we talked about before was coached by Scotty Bowman. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure Scotty speaks French. It's not that it's just he's not French, you know. Yeah, but. exactly. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's the same thing on Long Island. You can't uh you can't be the Islanders' head coach without you know saying sacrificing your R's for OWs. And, <laughs> being like yeah, you know, the coffee and, yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah. But 
I guess that's true. Um, the other great thing about that Lamorello Simmons piece is that he, you know, he talks about how, you know, would Lamorello have handled the the contract negotiations with Marner and Matthews differently, or Nylander and Matthews and, and Marner differently? Would he have traded Nazem Kadri and how different would the organization have been run? But then later on, you know, because Simmons columns, they always have like a big idea and then like the sort of like little bullet points later on. One of his complaints is that Kyle Dubas doesn't let the assistant coaches talk to the media. And I'm like, that's also a Lou Lamorello thing. So I don't know what the complaint is here. Lou would also not let you talk. I forget what coach he was even talking about, but Lou also wouldn't let you interview that guy, Steve. So just so you know, it, that's how it works. But anyway, def- I'm going to put a link in the thing. So if you if you definitely want, if you you should definitely check it out because that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. Like it's the kind of article that it's not about look at what the Islanders have done poorly or like a dig at them. It's more about a dig at the Leafs, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's, nice. it's um, nice to see that like this, uh, you know, they still scare me up, obviously, but after they won those first three games under Sheldon Keefe, they kind of struggled mm. a little bit. So uh, good on them. Good on yeah. them for, for, not, yeah. for not winning as much as... as uh, Definitely. <laughs> Keep <yeah>. it going. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Um, and as we mentioned before, um, the, the fisherman has been back in the news a little bit. The, the Islanders fisherman logo has been... Speaking of losing teams, for that matter. Uh, the Islanders fisherman logo has been back on, in the news a little bit. The, they released a ton of pictures of new merch that you can get at the pro shop and only at the pro shop, which is incredibly annoying that you can't buy it online, which is ridiculous. But uh, it's got the fisherman logo in different ways. You know, some some of the hats are a little bit more uh, ostentatious, should we say, than others. Some of them are pretty tasteful. It's got like just a guy's head and like, the fisherman's head on it. And uh, they're definitely going whole hog in this. The team, the ownership has definitely embraced this. And uh a lot of fans get pretty pissed off about it. I mean, now Twitter is Twitter. It's everybody's pissed off all the time. So you really can't use it as like a, a you know measurement stick for anything. But uh, I thought uh, on last week's PTILs, I, I thought Joe had a really good point about it, which is like, you know, if you don't want it, you don't have to buy it. But also like if the team, you know, that the connection to that to that jersey for a lot of people is that that team stunk. You know, they, they lost a lot of games in that jersey because that team wasn't very good. This team is a completely different – is a far cry from that team. And so if the team wins, uh, what difference does it matter, you know, what what they're wearing? And so, you know, if they're going to go out and do this thing, then that's okay. And you know, I'm just saying I, – I should say – let me just back up. The theory is that they're they're putting this merchandise out as a potential test for maybe a third jersey down the line or something like that. And – uh I can see that happening. Honestly, the the Canucks just yesterday played a game in those V, those black and gold and yellow uh, V jerseys that everybody hates except me. I love them. I love those jerseys. I think they're really cool looking. Um, and you know, it's just a fun thing to do. And if you don't like it, well, I mean, I think you'll have to just live with it. Again, nothing's set in stone or anything. I think people will have to, you know, we just have to wait and see. But other people, people seem to be preemptively mad about it and. You know, if they put it out of Jersey, you don't have to buy it. If they wear it in the game, you don't have to get mad about it because this team is not that team because that team was God awful. And uh, hopefully they never go back to those days in yeah, the, on the ice, let alone uh, what they're wearing. When, you know? It's like when these teams come out with like their winter classic jerseys or whatever. And like everyone's like, oh, they really, you know, missed the mark on this and stuff like that. And it's just like, I, I, maybe I, you know, when I was, you know, a while ago, like I got, I would get caught up in it. But now I'm just like, I just could care less. Like if, if. You know, people don't think that the the Dallas Stars <laughs> you know, Winter Classic jersey is great, and they that they there's a missed opportunity. Uh, and what what I'm what I've always thought about the NHL is they kind of 
ignore the 90s because of just like the dead puck era like they they were for a long time it was like like after after mm. that blackout in 2004 it was it was almost like they just didn't acknowledge basically from like the Gretzky Oilers like maybe the Canadians winning the cup in 93 on like it was just like you just they there was none of that you never heard like references to to those teams well it's the the rangers they definitely oh, yeah you know what that's probably what it is it's honestly <laughs> yeah, probably from, the rangers yeah. until like right that's yeah, the cutoff, until yeah. the you know the first season on on oln like the nhl and even like those first couple of seasons like the nhl kind of doesn't like it didn't acknowledge those times for a long long time it was like this like kind of un like it was like the dark ages almost and the people kind of just don't don't know who they didn't know how good people are talking about sergey zubov because he just got in uh, inducted the hall of fame and just how good like someone like him was and someone like gary letton like these guys who played in like the the 90s and were really good players like they just don't get the same uh i guess fanfare and like the the game itself like just didn't because no one was watching it the coverage was so bad it was you know kind of i don't know i don't want to call it like disney fight or whatever but like it was it was the nhl was mm. taken as a joke for a very long time and the nhl doesn't like to acknowledge that because they think that they are in, on the same level as the NBA and NFL and, and NBA, but they're not like, this is, we are the, this, this is the smaller league. And uh, I also thought like the Islanders kind of do, did, did the same thing, especially under Wong. And it was very, they were very into protecting a brand that, sh- yeah. Like if you want to try to protect the Islanders brand, like that is a really tough, tough hill to climb. Like there is a lot of <laughs> stuff that, that you right. will be shielding us from. Uh, and they try too hard to do it instead of just embracing you know, embracing the weird and the bad because, like, those years happened. Uh, that that's part of being a fan. Part of being an Islander fan is that you lived through the Mike Milbury era. But how cool would it be to see Matt, Matt Barzell? You you always bring this picture up of when uh, when of coaching or GM vacancy arises of Mike Milbury putting on the Islanders fisherman starter jacket with the hat. <laughs> like, I would if Matt Barzell if Matt Barzell yeah. wore that same starter starter jacket, people would be like, wow, that's you know, just putting up the fire emoji or whatever, and. Um, it's, it's whether you like mm. it or not. Like I also, like, I didn't like, I don't like the, the black jerseys that, that they had in Brooklyn, but p- some people do like, and I'm, I'm not going to be like, I can't believe you, you'd, you'd buy a Cal Clutterbuck black Islander jersey. I would, you know, it's, it's fine. It's not going to, it has no effect on me at all to see those jerseys. And, uh, I think people were just, the Islanders were also very dangerously close to not being a thing anymore during the fisherman era. Like, so Mm. that i get i get like it was also like you know, the john spano stuff and I, I understand it brings back tough memories but uh it's a very unique look people will love it because of the way it's so 90s people love nostalgia uh it's just it's part of who the islanders are so if you like it you know go get that stuff if you don't you know just go keep going with the the stuff that you like it's not it's not ever gonna it's not ever gonna make or break your fandom that the islanders wore a third jersey and plus like it would look cool if, to see Matt Barzell in a in a fisherman jersey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anders Lee for two, is another one who would be like he'd be a very intimidating player that wore. He might be the most intimidating player that wore. I guess Kesper Ida. You know, they did it. They did it very. You remember? So this, I think, this has kind of been a thing that they're you know dipping in very Islanders protect the brand like very careful PR fashion. Like they dip their toes. Yeah, they had the uh, the practice jersey. They dip their toes in the water with with those those ones, but they were purple, I think, right? Yes, yeah. They the practice jersey was purple, um, yeah, but and it just had the logo on it and and the numbers. Right. I think that was it. And I think it was probably you know it was, I think it was like a charity thing. They auctioned it off, right. so uh, I'm sure that you know it went all into a good cause. But they 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 were so careful about it 
and they're doing it again. Like you, like this is how the Islanders kind of do these things. Uh, I think because like when they, you know, when they release those black ones, uh, and people, the, the kind of outrage was, was almost unanimous, not the, not the Brooklyn ones, but the ones with, right. uh, yeah, the lacrosse just, jerseys. <laughs> yeah. The Matt, the Matt Molson. I always just picture Matt Molson in that Jersey, uh, <laughs> right. the Matt Molson black jerseys, uh, you know, like they, they, they didn't really do that for that one. And uh, I think the Islanders, are, they're just going to be very careful. I think people really like these hats and stuff. And um, I would put it at I would put it at even money that, that they wear Fisherman jersey before uh, before they leave the Coliseum again. And I, I, I could see them doing kind of what the Canucks did, being like, you know what? Like, we're just going to wear every one. We're just going to do every one mm. that, we, that we've done in the Coliseum. And uh, we'll see the, the panels, the panel, orange panel ones. We'll see. <laughs> the ones with the orange numbers, uh, which yeah, uh, actually, uh, the uh, on the uh, No Sleep Till Belmont podcast, the subscribers won this week. Mark Parrish, they were talking, uh, Staple and Mark Parrish were talking about it, and he was like, you know, had I had to wear one as a player, I probably would have hated it. But to be honest, we didn't like the orange ones either. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm in agreement with Mark Parrish. I didn't like I those orange, orange ones. ones. I really did. <laughs> yeah, like, see, I don't, so I don't there know, you go. I don't know what it was about those, but those things just. Uh, well, they were good. Yeah, they were yeah. a good team, you know. And they just made me anytime that they, I think they wore them on Saturday nights. Like they were their like Saturday mm. night alternate jerseys at home. And I went to a lot of games on Saturday nights back then because I was in school, I was in high school, and so I just saw them in that jersey a lot. And uh, I, the player that comes to mind for that one, to be, there's two. Like I, I remember Jason Blake looking really good in that right. one and being like, "That's my guy," and that, and Brendan Witt. See, I think of Michael Pekka and and Blake though yeah. those two guys in particular I always think of. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I I you brought up a good point though. But like that's my feeling too is that this is the team's history. Like this is part of the team's history, and we can't erase it. We can't go back and change it. It is, and you know, I've written about I've written an article about it. Geez, Nick Hershon wrote a whole damn book about the fisherman. It gets tied to the team's history, and I get that you know, people don't like it, but I got a sense that the players kind of do. I think the player Johnny Boychuk like designed a hat a couple of years ago that had it on there and people were like, what the hell's the matter with you? But I guess he likes it, you know? And so we'll have to yeah, see. I think Nelson was wearing one. Yeah. And, and, and the thing, the, the funny thing is too, like they, you like to think the Islanders aren't paying attention to Islanders Twitter and whatever, but I mean, even like the, the Islanders MSG account, like it's, it's, it's just, you can tell like they, they, they figured out what kind of how people are uh, reacting during wins and losses on Islanders Twitter. And, and those, those, there's been a lot of independent companies like clothing companies that have created yes apparel, apparel that has been that's worn <laughs> worn around the Coliseum and yeah. and the Islanders are probably like hey look you know these people are making money off of it like that's unfortunately the way sports work is they're like we can do it and our our reach is you know f- far wider and mm. uh, um so it's just like it's it's funny you see all this like fishermen kind of acknowledge like this fisherman slanted apparel pop up in the past two years and mm. now the Islanders are are getting getting in on the party. Yeah, it's uh, it's always been interesting to me too with with the like if you look at the at an Islanders crowd, it's like a quilt of different jerseys from different eras, you know, and so you'll see literally one of every jersey in a crowd somewhere. Yeah, most of them are, are the current ones, obviously. A lot of them are sort of classic ones, but you'll definitely see the ones like you were wearing the wavy one with the classic logo. You'll see fisherman stuff. You'll see you know Brooklyn black. You'll see Coliseum black. 
you'll see the orange ones. You see ones with no no name on the back because that was, you know, the first two years or whatever. They had no name on the back. You'll see some like weird bootleg ones that look like, you know, they came off a rack somewhere. <laughs> it's just, but, uh, you know, it makes for an interesting for an interesting look. And, I you know, again, it's it's part of the team's history. So uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. But again, nothing set in stone. It just seems that way. I mean, right now it's just a matter of stuff at the the pro shop. So it really shouldn't be bothering anybody. But, uh, you know. I think we'll see what happens. Yeah, maybe they open uh, Belmont with some uh, some fisherman apparel. We'll see what happens. They got to bring back the foghorn then too. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so uh, let's uh, just uh, you know, um, I guess uh, start to finish up a little bit. Uh, com. We mentioned before. You should definitely read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, last call for uh, this week's or this month's. Um, uh, my favorite Islanders game. The number to call is 646-980-8857. Again, if you have a Christmas themed story, we definitely want to hear it. <laughs> so call about any story. We'll take any story as long as it's your about your most memorable Islanders game. But if you have a Christmas themed one, now is the time to call. Please do not hesitate. 646-980-8857. Um, if you haven't listened to PT Isles or Isles Buzz from last week, you definitely should. The Isles Buzz one was really cool. They talked about the 10 most memorable moments of the decade. Some of them are great. If you have not, uh, once again, thanked Peter Chiarelli for sending us Matt Barzell uh, in a roundabout way, you definitely should. I know there's like, well, you know, the, the Bruins had to take, but we got Matt Barzell because of Peter Chiarelli. Like, let's just, let's just, let's, <laughs> you know, it's fine. The guy doesn't care. It's, it's, it's over with. Uh, but uh, that was, that was also fun. Uh, and thanks to everybody who had some, some really kind words for the last Islanders award winners, the Michael Pekka one. Uh, it was cool to do. And if you haven't listened to it, you could definitely you know, listen to find it, it anywhere. The, uh, people seem to like it. So it was great. I listened to it on the, oh. the plane ride to, to Montreal. And um, oh, wow. There, there are so many details of that season that I, I kind of forgot about. Um, right. And my favorite one was Milbury uh, showing videotape of missed calls against both teams <laughs> during that playoff season. <laughs> But uh, I really wish that there was some kind of like audio. Have you ever like said that, like listen to like the, you know, the Tommy Lasorda or like Billy Martin or Earl Weaver, like, you know, these, these sort of recorded things and they're just cursing up a storm and, you know, chewing people like the, the Tommy Lasorda, Dave, what I think of David Kingman's performance, like that whole thing. I really wish somebody had a recording of that because I totally want to hear it. Cause I, I can't even imagine what that was probably like, but yeah, that was a fun. I, and I remember he just, Claude, he went and, Claude the point I think said, they they're still treating us like losers, so oh mm. yeah, yeah. But it was great. It's a it gets a, a rigging endorsement <laughs> for me, and it's like the 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 weaving in and out of just like the details and stuff, like taking you through that whole season again, which uh, was awesome. Thank you. Uh, we got another email from uh, our friend Paul in the Czech Republic who really liked it too. So thanks, Paul. Really appreciate it. But thank you everybody for listening to it. It was a lot of fun. And uh, the next one uh, will be out uh, in early January. Uh, I do also want to also shout out uh, uh, a, a person who uh, met my brother-in-law actually before Thanksgiving. Uh, I met my, I had, we had our, my wife's family over for Thanksgiving. My brother-in-law, uh, Anthony was over. He, he, we know him as Anthony. He goes by his friends as Nino. And, uh, he was telling me he was at a, a party just before Thanksgiving. And, uh, he was talking to a friend of a friend, this guy, Tom. So that's a shout out to Tom. Uh, and there, basically Tom was saying that, you know, he was in town for Thanksgiving, but also he was going to go to an Islanders game. And so Nino was like, Oh, my, my brother is a, my brother-in-law is a, a big Islanders fan. He writes for a blog. He's got podcasts. And immediately, 
Tom was like, oh, is it Lighthouse Hockey? Is it? And he knew me. And so uh, my brother-in-law was kind of blown away. <laughs> and uh, he told me this story and I was kind of blown away. So uh, thank you, Tom, for for that. Uh, I, my brother-in-law and his husband are two very, very special people to me. I love them very, very much. They're both incredibly successful. Nino is a, a doctor and a medical professional. His husband, Seth, is a, uh, a lawyer. Very These are two very successful guys. And uh, hearing this story made me feel like a big shot around them, which I don't often get to do. So thank you very much, Tom. I really appreciate it. <laughs> it was fun, though. I love him to death. And uh, he, he was like, yeah, that was you, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. That was me. So there you go. So pretty cool. Thanks. <laughs> Shout out to Tom. Uh, where uh, where can people find uh, your work on the Twitters these days? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. You should follow Mike at the Big Lebowski with two E's. You get betting advice. You get Islanders uh, advice. <laughs> you get trips to Montreal. It's, uh, it's a fun time. So you should definitely follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. Uh, we'll be back next week. Islanders. Uh, oh, geez. We didn't even go over the next upcoming schedule. The Islanders, You're probably listening to this on Monday. The Islanders are going to play in Tampa Bay that night. Yeah, good luck. Uh, the Lightning are very good. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll have to see where that goes. Then they're in, they have two days off. Then they play the Panthers. And then they are home for a one o'clock game against the Buffalo Sabres. It's Star Wars night. So I don't know. You get a scarf with BB-8 on it. It's kind of cool. And uh, yeah, so we'll just have to see where it goes. Uh, this is, you know, could be great. Could be terrible. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah. And we didn't do a, um, uh, he was an Islander. Oh, but go ahead. I, uh, so another guy I think of with the orange jersey, and he was also a Montreal Canadian for a little while too, and a Dallas Star. So it's a uh, Yanni Ninema. Oh wow, that's a good one. And I see I see Yanni Ninema jerseys at Islander games. Really? I so, like I would say I see four season. Wow. And it might be the same person, but <laughs> I, I I say they're not they're not that rare. I would think they'd be more. I mean, I'm. Did you see any in Montreal? Like, I would think that he played in Montreal for a long time. No, I think, I think he did. Yeah. yeah, but he was he was like the Flyers, Stars, right. Islanders, Canadians, yeah. Oilers. Yeah, because we yeah. traded Isbister for Ninema right. in a in a great name trade, and then we traded Ninema for John Erskine. Right to the Flyers. Yeah, I remember him mostly. I mean, after his, the Islanders, definitely as a Flyer. But yeah, he, there's also a great picture of Yanni Ninema when he was with the the Canadians, where everybody's celebrating, and for some reason, he's like staring up at the camera. And he's just like, it's like piercing. It's like children of the corn. It's crazy. Uh, but no, he's a good one. That That's a good one. I was actually going to say, you totally reminded me. I was going to say Blake Como. Uh, oh. as he was an Islander because I was watching. The bald, all- bald Sidney Crosby. He looks just like Sidney Crosby without hair. <laughs> he does. Yeah, he does. Wow, that's weird. I never thought about that. Uh, he had a chance at an empty net goal against the Islanders uh, on Saturday night, and he hit the, he hit the crossbar, which is basically the most Blake Como thing ever, you know. And and, and Chris McNally, our friend, our co- our fellow Lighthouse Hockey uh, alum, uh, Chris McNally is a the world's biggest Blake Como fan. I don't know why he's told me the story. I completely forgot. He loves Blake Como, and I'm sure he was gut he was heartbroken that he missed that empty netter. But uh, if you had looked at that roster, the like the 2008 2009 islanders and said okay which of these guys is going to play 14 years in the league bounce around for a bunch of teams but but always be pretty good i don't know if i would have said blake como i really don't yeah he's he's just he's found his uh his like niche it's like i'll just be a decent third line fourth line winger for for these kind of mediocre teams or not mediocre like mediocre to good like in that range yeah (laughs) yeah kill penalties you know chip in i mean he's he's a little like michael tau cole in a way Mm -hmm. You know, and we only he he actually scores a goal every once in a while. Most of Michael Tucker, but uh, yeah, so there you go, two for the price of one. Two, two. He was an Islander. Yanni Nima, that's a good one, and uh, and Blake Como, who uh, I was like, man, I can't believe this guy's still in the league. Crazy, but anyway, yeah, him, uh, him, happy him uh, and Cogliano. Yeah. Like if they them playing on the same line, those are two guys, and I'm just like, uh, these guys are just still in the league. <laughs> 
Right. And I, I we're going to go. I, I can't believe Cogliano only got traded there last year. I yeah. thought it happened like, yeah, years exactly. Ago. Yeah. He's been a star for 13 seasons. <laughs> he was on the Ducks for 20 and, years. He was on the Oilers for 20 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. That team is really, Pavel, I was telling my wife about Joe Pavelski and how he was, you know, it's just weird seeing him here. Oh, this is Joe Pavelski. He's been in the league for 15 years. He's obviously spent 14 of them with the Sharks and Butch Goring has never pronounced his name once correctly the entire time. <laughs> Not once. I did see that play where Parrot. Where Corey Perry was like without a stick, and he grabbed a stick mm. from the bench that wasn't his, and and I knew it was I knew it was Pavelski's because Pavelski mm. always has that white blade. And uh, the only other person that I remember noticing that about was uh, James Wisniewski, which <laughs> I don't know why, but he had a white stick. Wow. And there's our third. He was an Islander of, of <laughs> this show, James Wisniewski, the Wizard, the guy, the guy who was berated by a nurse uh, for how bad the Islanders yep. were. But that's a story for another time. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week. Enjoy this week's games. And uh, hopefully the Islanders, Islanders can uh, get back to uh, dominating games as they had been earlier this season. All right. Thanks a lot. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Your hands. Oh, we can dance, oh, we can dance, everybody's taking the chance.